exclusive we put we chillin' real hard you know how we do All right, you guys, welcome to Discussions Podcast. It's your girl, Mika Gwen. Welcome to my new listeners. Welcome back to my returning listeners. I have a returning guest with me today. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, guys. It's Tip Too True. Hey. Hey. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> you good and sleepy? I'm good and tired. <laughs> so I like tired. We just had a long conversation about us complaining about being sleepy. Yes. I'm sleepy as fuck. But it's cool. We'll push through. As always, we don't have no choice. No other choice. Right. So, today, I want to talk about legal matters. I think I'm going to name this episode Law and Order, because we pretty much going to be talking legal business today. So, listeners, whatever legal advice, suggestions that we give today, it's not set in stone. Don't follow it, and then if it don't work out, get mad at us. This is for entertainment purposes only. Tip to true. Yes. What's your background when it comes to yes, legal so I'm an unlicensed attorney, so you know we'll just you know speak on some legal topics, not to give legal advice. Right. It's um, for fun, entertainment, dialogue. Yeah, and informative. Oh yeah, informative as well. We gonna let y'all know if we don't know something that we just gonna talk our shit. So the first question I have for you is strictly just for Michigan since we live in Michigan. So, you know, I know you know that marijuana, marijuana is now legal yes. in Michigan. But I need to know how much recreational marijuana can I have? You're allowed to have 2.5 grams. Now, okay. 2.5 grams. Like, are you supposed to measure this on your own to make sure it's exactly 2.5 grams? Yes. How do you measure it? Scale. There's marijuana scales? Not necessarily marijuana scales, but like small scales that you can weigh marijuana on. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So let's say somebody has... 2.6 2.6 grams of marijuana on them. It's safe to say they're going to jail. Um, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think the cop is walking around with a scale Shit. in his pocket, <laughs> looking to weigh out to see, looking to catch somebody. Right, they're looking for the people who have like pounds, like a significant amount. So pretty much from the naked eye, let's say you get stopped by a cop. And then, I don't know, I don't know what you're getting stopped for to the point where they got to search you. But let's say they find a bag of weed. So you are telling me, or you're insinuating, that they can't tell a 2.5 gram bag from a 3 gram bag? Unless they I mean, have a scale? maybe they can, but, you know, the, the real issue there isn't going to be you getting in trouble for possession. It's going to be them testing you for impairment. Mm. Okay. So, you know, you could get a ticket for driving while under the influence of marijuana. True. Which can be tr- uh, problematic because the thing is, you know, marijuana stays in your system way longer than mm-hmm. like other drugs and alcohol. 
So you could have smoked like two weeks ago. And it's still and there. And it's still lingering. there lingering. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. Where can where can you consume marijuana? In your in, home. In Michigan. Only in, in your home? Yeah, in your home for now. Okay. So do you think that the law is going to expand outside the home? Probably. You know, it seems like it's on that trajectory that you know now that it's recreational like for instance um i don't know if you know about hash bash Mm -hmm. at the university of michigan (laughs) yeah yeah so this is going to be the first year that everything is like totally legal recreational so like but that doesn't just happen indoors, right? Well, this is what I was going to say. So, I mean, you can actually smoke outside, too. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you get in the car, you know, it kind of changes the whole ball They're going to be waiting for you to jump in that car. Yeah. <laughs> with some, with a joint, a blunt. <laughs> right. So, speaking of being pulled over, you mentioned it a little bit ago. What are your rights when it comes to being pulled over? Because we know... You know, there's been a lot of talk. We've seen a lot of cases with people, particularly black people, getting pulled over. And then it just turns to a horrific crime. I mean, I can't speak to, like, cops shooting. Oh, no. But, like, let's say you get pulled over. And let's say, let me give you an example. Let's say... The cop really doesn't tell you why he pulled you over, but he says, I need to, I need to search your car. What are my rights? Do I have to let the cop search my car? Or if they say I need to check your glove compartment and it's locked, can they do that? So, I mean, with that, the first, the main thing that you want to know is what is the whole reason that you're being stopped for in the first place? Let's, yeah, let's say they were like, oh, you were driving erratically. Well, I mean, driving erratically, the the next step in the process for that is, you know, them possibly telling you to step outside the vehicle to do a sobriety test if they think you're impaired. Okay. Now, let's say you weren't driving erratically, though, and you know you weren't. You still have to comply. And take the test? Mm-hmm. Get out the car. You don't have to. I mean, if the officer tells you, it's like, this is the thing. You know, there are things that you technically don't have to do. But, but maybe in order should. to make your life easier and then you can always. Or maybe keep your life. In exactly. Some to keep your life and then you can always fight later and, and you know, in have court. a complaint mm-hmm. against the officer And then that actually brings an interesting, or not an interesting, but an important point that you want to document. Once it starts getting to the point where they, you know, you ask the officer politely, you know, what am I being stopped for? And they tell you, Mm -hmm. and you feel that you haven't done that. Even if you have done that, Uh you still want to record the interaction. Okay. You know, with that said... You know, if they are pulling you over and they're telling you to get out of the car, I would do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, so you you mentioned a sobriety test if they suspect that you're inebriated. 
do you have to do a sobriety test? No, you don't. Um, the thing is, you know, in a lot of places, if you decide that you don't want to do the sobriety test, then they're automatically going to take you to the hospital to take a blood test. And so, yeah, so what a lot of people would do is decide to go for the blood test, hoping that by the time they they actually take your blood, by the time everything goes down, (laughs) it goes down. Right. Your blood alcohol level goes down. Okay. But, you know, the thing is, you know, once you take that test, once you blow into that thing, You know, it's really like the options that you have become more limited Mm -hmm. if you are, you know, if they decide, if they, if (laughs) you are in fact found impaired. So it sounds like if you know you're impaired, your best bet is just to say no and hope. Yep. Say no and get a lawyer. First of all, get you, you need to have a lawyer just before this, but on deck, on deck, but let's just say, you know, you don't. You know, this is an instance where you need a lawyer. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because it could get real. It can get real, real fast. And, you know, you don't want to incriminate yourself first and foremost. Right. I guess first and foremost, don't drive drunk. Right. Well, that goes without saying, <laughs> don't drive drunk. If, you, if you're going to have, you know... There's a, a handy chart available where you can see how many drinks based on your weight mm-hmm. that you can drink, you know, know your limits. Right. So don't even put yourself in that situation. And if you are, just have a DD, a designated driver, or there's always Uber or right. Lyft. But what we're talking about is, let's say you've had a drink, but you know you're not impaired and you happen to get stopped by a cop. Because I think your scenario was, you know, they said you were driving impaired, but you weren't. Right. So, yeah. But, you know, we definitely have to put that disclaimer out there. We We don't want to encourage drunk driving by any means. Right. We don't want to give you tricks to it. So you could be like, all right, I'm good. Yeah. (laughs) Discussion said all I had to do was say no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to a sobriety test. And I could be out nope. here slizzard. Right. Please don't. <laughs> so if somebody owes you money, is there a time limit that you have to sue if they never pay? Let's say like five years go by. Can you still sue after? I mean, that's just going to be dependent on your state that you reside. So what they call in the legal world when you have a time limit to bring something forth to the court. It's called the statute of Of limitations. limitations. Yeah. So with that, you know, when it comes to borrowing money and things like that, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's going to depend. But one of the things that the court looks at just in general, when it comes to that is like the reasonable time standard. So Mm -hmm. like, let's say, you know, you, lent out a large sum of money to a friend and you had terms of how you wanted it paid back. Mm -hmm. And you know, the time clock on your statute of limitations would be like their last payment. It wouldn't necessarily be like when you guys started the loan. So, you know, if you're in that situation, I would definitely, um, you know, you can look up the statute of limitations for your state to see how long, you would have, mm-hmm. but as soon as that person reneges, you need to start putting plans in motion. Don't, Don't wait. just wait it out. 
Right. Hoping. Don't wait. I mean, okay. Three years later, you like, you know what? Well, make sure that when you are trying to collect that it's documented, because then that just kind of restarts. That paper trail. Yeah, that paper trail. Okay. Okay. Good advice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So this this question is kind of personal for me. But I guess it could go to anybody else. And it involves Amazon and the coronavirus that is rapidly spreading to the U.S. So today, so first of all, let me back it up. I always order from Amazon. Like, I swear I got a package coming. It feels like every other day, at least every week. So yesterday I got a package. And I took out, you know, what I ordered. And it's a huge sticker on there that said made in China. Oh, shit. I was like, oh, shit. I'm like, should I throw it away? Like, <laughs> I don't know if I could get the coronavirus from an item. But I was nervous. But I'm like, you know what? I'm just being paranoid. Let me mm-hmm. just enjoy what I brought. Right. Cool. Still alive today. <laughs> so. Thank goodness. Today, you know, I'm reading up on the news. And I see that. A story came out that an Amazon employee in Seattle tested positive for the corona. Now I'm like, oh shit. Is it not safe to order from Amazon anymore? I mean, Amazon isn't the only company that gets their things from that's China. So, that's so true, but it just, it hit me with that story. And then when I ordered something and it said made in China. Granted, there is a lot of things that we get from China. Granted. Now, this could be this this about to be a petty ass question, but I'm a, I'm gonna ask it. Okay. Let's say, knock on wood, I get the corona. But I just so happen to I get, get it corona. right after opening an Amazon package. So Can like I you open the box and then I the, the box germs and it's unleashed. Like, <laughs> yeah, and now you got it. <laughs> Tag it's a box it. full of corona. I open it. I get it. Can I sue Amazon? Granted, the case of Corona. Granted that I survive. Can I sue Amazon? I mean, it depends. I mean, I probably ser- have to prove that I got it from. Yeah, that's the thing. Like you would have to to prove. So, like, let's say you trace it back to that employee like that box came from that distribution center right he was in seattle she was working on that line on that line and then honestly the way that they're talking about with the coronavirus and the incubation period it doesn't even necessarily have to be him it could be other people that work there too true so but this is the thing this is what you would have to prove is that Amazon was negligent, that they knew about the risk and they didn't take any reasonable steps to prevent the risk Mm -hmm. to prevent someone from coming down with coronavirus. So that's, that is what you would have to prove now. Okay. That makes sense. Um, can the employee sue Amazon for catching it? I mean, like if you catch it from work, I guess this could go to any workplace. So is it like it's proved it's proven positive that he got it from work in this scenario? Yes. But then again, who's liable, if anybody, 
besides the individual who got it? Well, okay, so you're suing, so you're suing for negligence. So you're saying that Amazon was negligent in creating a situation where employee can get coronavirus. Mm-hmm. So, like, what exactly you are the measures? Yeah, like, so- let's say, for example... Well, I didn't necessarily need an example, but I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, they would have to prove that Amazon was negligent in whatever their procedures were to prevent people from getting coronavirus, but it just seems like so... It'd be so hard because it just... Let's say, okay, I'm going to throw some examples just to see mm-hmm. if it will be a valid okay. point. Let's say they didn't never have soap in the bathrooms. It was always empty. <laughs> okay. Or let's say... Let's say they're so strict when it comes to taking sick days that people were coming to work sick. And I possibly got it from somebody else because of your strict sick day rules. But then the thing is, I mean, okay, it's strict, but is it necessarily negligent? You know, that's just the question that. That that that, the, yeah. that you would have to prove and that Amazon's that, that a jury say that yeah that's what Amazon's lawyers would have to prove and you know would have to convince a jury of right which you know they might be able to do it because if you're going in front of a jury and you know everybody's scared about this coronavirus right. so, so they like we feel you right <laughs> <laughs> so hey okay what about I have another situation for you. Um, So I was browsing the internet and I found this comment from someone. So they said, the last time I interviewed for a corporate setting job was at a law firm in Chicago. And two men were interviewing me. So they did three interviews. So after they did the three interviews, they flat out told her that they went with a single childless guy instead of her because he would be able to stay late and she wouldn't. So are there any legal actions that can be taken by someone in this situation or a similar situation where a job flat out told them that they preferred to choose a guy who had no kids and who was single? I think that she could. And the key there is a guy. So it's like, you know, she, the company told her that they chose a guy over her. Like, that could be gender discrimination, mm-hmm. you know? Now, would you, I would assume you would have to prove that they said this. Because if it's done over the phone and there's no paper trail via email, then I'm assuming you would have to prove that this was said. Because they can, it's, it could be he say, she said. Well, yeah, but then you can also see if there's a pattern of them hiring these type of people. So that's something that will mm-hmm. come out in discovery. Okay. Where the, which is basically when the attorneys basically ask for all the documents that can help their case, good or bad. Mm-hmm. They ask for that from the other side. And so they will probably pull like 
personnel records to see the type of people that they hire and if there's a pattern see there, if it's a pattern between yeah. if everybody on staff is single and childless right and then not only that guys, like let's they'll probably look at the resumes that they received and then they look at the people who are hired and so you can look and see the resumes compare you yeah. know the qualifications <laughs> right and see how it adds up if it adds up right okay so pretty much you're saying if anybody has experienced a situation like this that they have a good chance if they sue because you know a lot of times some people just let it they feel like oh it's nothing i can do even though i feel like i was discriminated against so i'm just gonna let it fly so do you think people who are in situations such as this that they should sue of course also you may be discouraged because you know it's gonna be a long process that you got to go through a whole legal battle so you might just say whatever i wasn't meant to be there no way yeah, I mean, I feel like most people will say that. And that's why a lot of these companies get away with crazy things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, because things like that do happen in real life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most people, when they're wrong, they'll just take it on the chin and just, you know, move on. Not too many people will actually, like, take the steps to actually sue yeah. these companies. Right. And another thing you got to think about, too, especially if you're in the process of looking for a job, you may not even have the money to go yeah. into a whole legal battle with the whole exactly. company. So you just let it fly and just keep applying to jobs. Yep. And that's probably why they keep getting away with it because nobody coming after them. Yeah. But, you know, on a side note, you know, there are attorneys that or law firms that will take cases pro bono or take it based on True. if you win. Then they'll get paid once yeah. you win. Right. So don't, you know, if... If you've been wronged in this type of way, you know, don't let, you know, you not having money discourage you from getting justice. Mm-hmm. That's totally true. That just reminded me when I had a car accident and I went after the people who caused it. I didn't have to pay money up front. I paid after yep. I got, mm-hmm. you know, the money from the lawsuit. So I'm going to go into some some entertainment and global situations and see what you got to say about it um so i know you know mel b from spice girls yes (laughs) (laughs) i know of mel b of mel scary spice aka scary spice (laughs) so backstory she was married um i think his name was stefan belfonte yeah belfonte or something like that um so they got divorced and, you know, it was an ugly divorce because he put out claims that she was a, a cocaine addict or a crackhead or something like yeah, that. Something crazy. An alcoholic or something, allegedly. I think all the above. All the above. Um, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> and I think she put out rumors that he beat her or put yeah. his hands on her, allegedly. Mm-hmm. So just a lot going on. Um so, continuing with this backstory, so they quote unquote hired a nanny. It was some chick that was working with them on something else, and they brought her in as a nanny. I think at the time she was about 18 years old. I don't know. Something around there. She was mm-hmm. a young girl. Um, so, the husband slept with the nanny, and... I think that's what 
broke the camels, the straw that broke the camels back. And after that, after Mel B found out, you know, Mm -hmm. they got a divorce. So he's still with that nanny. And the nanny allegedly lives with him along with their kid that they have together. Mel B don't like that. So she's planning to take him to court to try to get custody of the child. And also she wants to get a stay away order for the nanny, the ex nanny, because she doesn't want her around her child. So the nanny has been caught by paparazzi, like picking up um, the child from school, taking the dogs for a walk with the child. So they, you know, they're, they appear close and the child appears comfortable with the nanny and vice versa. So based on the little facts that we know, do you think Mel B has a good case? And do you think that she has a good chance of getting a stay away order from her ex-husband's new girlfriend? I mean, just from what you've said, probably not. Cause you said, it seems like the daughter is comfortable, meaning that she's not being endangered in any mm-hmm. way um like for sure it's a messed up situation for sure but what the judge is going to look at is is the child in danger mm-hmm. you know well, now let's say if the nanny like made threats to mel b right you know something like that then okay then she would have you know, a leg to stand on. Well, it said that during the divorce, she made claims that the nanny is a prostitute. And allegedly I read that it was rumored that Mel B, the husband and the nanny used to have threesomes and they hired her as like a, okay. Well, was the child there when they were doing this, that shit? I don't know, but (laughs) I mean, it could be a case of she just mad because maybe, I mean, being a hoe isn't necessarily dangerous. Like, right like saying that you're endangering children you know it's not the ideal situation but at all they're doing stuff in front of the kids right like if they're not doing stuff in front of the kids and like you said the child you know she takes the child to school the child looks comfortable with her you know obviously she was the child's nanny at one point so she probably already had that level of comfort it just continued on so it just, you know, based on that, it doesn't seem like she would have a leg to stand on with regards to that. Now, of course, we don't know the other reasons because right. Mel B says that she has valid reasons why she doesn't want her mm-hmm. around her children. I don't know if it's just, I think, yeah, I think they just have one child together. But because I know she has a child. An older child. A child with Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. And then she has another child. Like two older from, child children. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she says she has valid reasons. What would be a valid reason? I mean, if she was abusing her child. Mm-hmm. You know, or if she was doing drugs. Or if she was on drugs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the prostitute thing and having it around the child. Right. You know, things like that. Like things that would be abuse. I mean, that we would just say, okay, yeah, that's abuse. Mm-hmm. Or even like, let's say if she like constantly harassed Mel B and made threats against her. Yeah. Cause yeah, I would fit. I would definitely agree if that was happening, 
Because if you're making threats towards me, my child is a part of me. So right. I can't trust you around my child if you threatening the child's mom. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, we see sometimes these cases are hard when you're if you're trying to decide whose side you're on, because, of course, we don't know what's going on. And, you know, we see every day where some women have valid reasons why they don't want their ex's spouse or girlfriend or boyfriend around their child. But then in some cases, you you're just bitter right. and you just want to make it difficult. I mean, just based on this, the whole nanny and the cheating part, like I like just me personally, I wouldn't want my children around that. But, you know, what you personally feel and what the eyes of the law are is just two different things. So, OK, expand on that. So why wouldn't you just because of the whole dynamics of it? Yeah, like the whole is just ill, like <laughs> ill, <laughs> like you cheated with the nanny and then. Y'all went off. Y'all playing had, house. Right, y'all playing the house with my How child and creating a whole new family dynamic. Like, fuck out of here. Right, if y'all go go on, go on by yourselves. Right, leave, my, leave my baby out of Don't this. Don't put her in this. And you know, kids pick up on shit too. Yeah. So I'm wondering, like, she's probably, she probably does have some comfort with her because she was playing the nanny role. Right, before. but she remembers when her mom and dad were together. Right. She remembers when it was always mom, dad, and a nanny. Now it's just dad and a nanny. Like, where'd mama go? <laughs> like, right. why is nanny playing mama? And so, yeah, it just seems like, yeah, that would be very confusing for a child. And then, like, she'll probably ask later on what happened. And then, well, you tell the truth, obviously. Right. Now, <laughs> we getting off topic. Right. But let's say... Let's say the child, let's say you were in this situation and the child came to you asking questions. Because the dad fucked up, would you put it on him to explain or would you explain it to the I'll child? I'll explain it and have... But I, what would you say, especially if it's a young child? Oh, young for child? Them? I mean, obviously it's going to be depending let's say on it's a age. 10-year-old. 10? Because um, I'm not sure how old um, their child is. Mm -hmm. She she looks to be like maybe around... Um, Seven. Like around eight. Seven or eight. I think she's like seven or eight. Okay. So so let's say if your seven or eight year old came to you asking questions. About like what happened and why yeah, what they happened? aren't together. Why aren't you with nanny and dad like we used to be? Okay. So in that situation, I mean, all you could say is, is you know, dad chose to be with the nanny. I mean, what, <laughs> what can you what say? What do you mean chose? Like, he decided he didn't want to be here anymore. But, you know, Why you have me? us. And this is what I'm I was going to say, child. Is it me? My child. No, it's not you. This is what dad decided to do. But, you know, you? it's okay. Is it me? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. What did you do? I didn't do anything. But he but left you? This is what I would say. <laughs> The Bible, you know, the Bible says, questions. well, first of all, th this wouldn't happen to me because I, we follow the she Bible over man. here. We follow the Bible. But let's just say, <laughs> you know, he just decides to just fuck up royally, just the worst fuck up of his life. <laughs> and, you know, this was me in this situation. And my mm -hmm. child said that. And I'd be like, well, you know, just like we taught you, you know, the commandments say 
thou shalt not commit adultery and your father and your chose to do did. that so you know this is the sin that he will have to live with that's such a hard conversation to have it because is because i will be torn between being angry at the situation um and also not wanting to tarnish my child's thought let's just say my husband did me wrong i'll be angry at that and it would but you also have to consider that if he's a good dad, you don't want to paint him in a bad light. To well, he child. painted the situation in a bad light. He so did. I feel like with but children, in my opinion, when it comes to children, you need to be straightforward. That don't mean you need to be harsh. But yeah, when it comes, specific. that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Like, you don't need to say what happened. It was a threesome right. and da, da, da. <laughs> you know, like all that. Yeah. But in terms of him making the decision to go off right. with he the nanny, the that's his decision that he mm-hmm. made. And, you know, these are the rules that we live by. And this is what he chose to do to go against that and then just move on. Right. I agree. Definitely don't get into specifics because, you know that's the child's father but you could tell the truth because what happened happened Mm -hmm. um but i guess not putting extra sauce on it right like yeah your trifling ass daddy let me tell you what he did he ain't no good exactly (laughs) no that's not not the the way to go that's what you want to say in your head but when you're dealing with your child right because your children they'll figure it out Mm -hmm. you know as they grow up they'll see and they'll understand and they'll understand yeah Totally agree. Um, so, yeah, that's what's going on with Mel B. Good luck to you, boo-boo. Good luck. <laughs> okay, so my last story. You probably read about it, heard about it. So, um, Michael Bloomberg. You know, he was uh, in the presidential race. As of today, he dropped out. Oh, he did? Yep, because... Um, he was getting clowned the, the on results, social media. One of the results from the voting wasn't oh, great. Good. Okay. So he backed out of the presidential race due to disappointing results in the votes that happened. Super yesterday. Tuesday. Super Tuesday. Um, however, b- before this happened, he went to visit a historically black church in oh, Selma, I saw Alabama. That. Yeah. Um, so he went there. Um, it was the anniversary of Bloody Sunday. So Bloody Sunday is when the day when police attacked civil rights marchers. Um, so he spoke about the fight for civil rights and voter suppression. Um, but into his speech, I should add in people, churchgoers began to stand up and protest him and turn their backs to him while he was at the pulpit Mm -hmm. talking. Um, and I believe he did, they did this because at first he declined coming because he said some shit about being too busy. Okay. But then he changed his mind and ended up coming. Um, but my question, my legal question I have, so churches are nonprofit. Yes or no? Yes. So I'm thinking that in order to keep their tax exempt status, um, they have to maintain certain rules put in place by the IRS, right? Right. So one of those rules is that contributions to political campaign funds or public statements of position made by or 
on behalf of the organization, in this case, the church, in favor of or in opposition to any candidate for public office clearly violate the pro violates the political campaign activity mm-hmm. that churches aren't supposed to do. So are there any legal consequences for him going to that church? I mean, or the pastor inviting him to that church? Yeah. So, I mean, just the act of him inviting and coming to speak at church isn't necessarily endorsing a candidate. So that's kind of the wiggle room that they have, even if they Mm -hmm. are, you know what I mean? Like they're just coming in to inform the public. Right. But then too, okay. They could say, Oh, well I brought in someone from the Republican side. I don't know if, if you know, they're going to do that in this case. Right. Because I guess it's assumed that it's a black church. They're going to be Democrats. For a Democrat. And you invite a Democrat to come speak. Right. So what would have to happen at the speaking engagement for it to be against the regulations set in place? I mean, they would just have to do what the regula- regulations are saying that they can't. So, so like, much- actively endorsing a candidate, like... Like, telling the congregation, you must vote for him. Right. Because I am. First, <laughs> right. <laughs> First Covenant Tabernacle Baptist Church... <laughs> tells you... Tells to you... Michael Bloomberg. To vote for Michael Bloomberg. Okay. So, because- And then... They got a record of pastor getting a kickback from Bloomberg, you know, after he, he got all the votes from that church. Mm, okay. You know what I mean? Like things like that. So it has to be something written or documented. I don't even with... say documented, but like they can prove that, you know, there was an agreement made. Mm-hmm. But it seems like they would have to prove it. The only way they could prove it is through documents right yeah unless you if it's verbal you're recording or like i mean they can follow a paper trail of money perhaps to Mm -hmm. see Mm -hmm. you know true true okay so in this case he's safe the church is safe the pastor's safe probably yeah okay as Mm -hmm. long as is it no conversation or no speech was made about his position when it comes to voting the pastor's position when it comes to voting or like him telling the congregation to vote a certain way. Right. Okay. Cause like, even if like, let's say the pastor say who he going to vote for, that don't necessarily mean that just because he is a, a citizen. So he does have a right to be like, Oh, you know, I'm voting for so-and-so, but he can't be like, Oh, well you need to vote for this person. But it seems like, because I feel like, and this is just my, I don't know if this is like legally right. But my viewpoint on it is if you're a pastor, just that position alone, people hang on your every word. So if you say I'm voting, yeah. let's say if you're in the church on the pulpit and you say I'm voting for Michael Bloomberg, people are going to, yeah. I feel like people are going to listen to who you're voting for and because you're voting for that it must be right so i'm gonna vote for that so it seems like that would break a regulation now if he was at home in his living room having conversation 
and not in the church at the pulpit saying that I feel like, okay, you're a citizen mm-hmm. at that point. You're in your home. You're, you're not, yeah. you know, but at I mean, the church I or representing really seen, the church. I haven't seen too many pastors that, you know, cause you know, politicians, that's major style, especially when they trying to appeal to black people is go mm-hmm. to the church. Of course. So, but I've, even in the times with Obama, I've never heard a pastor say, you need to vote for Obama. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never heard that. I never heard that either. But then again, I wasn't going to church at that time. So, but I'm just know. talking about like the big names, like, okay, you know, like the mega churches that you, True. you know, the people you would have heard of. Like, you might have seen him at the church speaking, mm-hmm. but you didn't see the pastor come up behind him and be like, you need to vote, vote for, for this guy right now. <laughs> like, yeah, you didn't see that. Obama, y'all. Obama, y'all. <laughs> like, no. Granted, it don't mean there wasn't nothing going on behind the exactly. scenes. Exactly. Granted, you just ain't hear about it. Yeah. Um. But, yeah. So, all right. So, they say, so I don't expect no legal action being taken against that church. Yeah. So, with the church, let's say a pastor did do that. Would the church get shut down? I mean, I guess because it breaks it would, the regulation. I mean, if I guess if the IRS found out, right? That's the whole thing. Like it has to be enforced, you know. So I'm not really sure, like, because somebody somebody would have to make, um, make a claim against the church to the IRS for them to investigate. Not necessarily, but how I would they know? Especially if it's a small church. I mean, if it's a, of course, I was a re- thinking the, a regular, not a mega, like a huge mega church at that point. But like a small church, yeah, they probably wouldn't even know. And then it's like a small church. Why would a politician want to pay off some pastor <laughs> to get like five votes? <laughs> <Not> like, five. <laughs> like, so they got bigger fish to fry. Right. <laughs> well, I don't know how big that church was. It's just a historically black mm-hmm. church, so you know. But I don't think, I mean, people are turning around while they're talking. So I'm not sure exactly if you could say that that church was like supporting, but maybe the pastor who knows what type of agreement. I don't yeah, know. But well, the pastor said he was disappointed in people standing and turning their backs. Well, <laughs> they probably was disappointed. He decided to exactly. have Bloomberg come. The feeling is mutual. Right. <laughs> On that note, listeners, if you would like to weigh in on the topic, feel free to email discussionspodcast313 at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to follow discussions on Instagram and Facebook. Where can our listeners find you at? Find me on IG, Tiff2True. All right. And we will highlight you next time. Smooches.